0: I'm in part two of our our study on reengage the glorious church. Last week, we had our relaunch. You did an absolute incredible job in in coming out. I thank you for that. You online, thank you for saying faithful. The presence of God is felt here, and I'm sure that same spirit is felt in your homes. As we mentioned. Last week, there was just a small army of people that were a big part of helping us in those 189 days of keeping everything running online and the youth, the kids, the adult ministries, the Sunday morning services, Wednesday night services. It was an enormous amount of work. But, you know, we still need your work, as Pastor James has said, because there is yet work to be done. But I specifically wanted to mention to you a couple people is I want you to give it up for Gene and Joyce Kimball in the sound room. They have been ministering 20 years in this church in that sound room, being a part of it. Man, we love you guys. Thank you. But we don't want them to do it alone. We need more help, and, and and as this this media ministry is not just a nice cute ministry of technology. It, it's amazing, but it is a ministry. It is helping you hear this word in which I'm proclaiming. It is helping you online watch us in this presentation of the word. But also, it is the potential of touching lives. We've had people that were giving to the church and coming to the church now that has heard us online for the very first time. We want to be able to reach our community, reach those people who can't be here right now, who normally come. We want to minister to you the word of God. We also know that this evangelistic outreach, not only in this community, but it goes around the world. Do you realize, wrap your mind around this, this morning right now, this word, this worship is going to places that the gospel is illegal to preach. And there are people in the underground churches that are hooked up, found us somehow on the website, and they are hearing this word of God. If you want to be a part of lives being touched, I'm telling you people, I want you to join this media team. Be a part of that. Let me know. Would you please come to me after the service, email me. I want to introduce you to those who will be training you and equipping you in this ministry. This past three weeks, I've been sharing with you, well, four weeks now this week, on relaunching, reigniting, and reengaging. And I talked to you last week about reengaging, is that there's, the church is changing we understand that. Look at us now. We have two different services. We're making sure that we're socially distanced. We're careful. You're wearing masks. I'm trying to find out now who you are by the color of your eyes. I don't know. It's, just, it's, it's, it's trying to figure out who everyone is. I can't always recognize someone. But it is changing. But there are some values that don't change. There are some things that are non-negotiable. Last week, I spoke to you about we are the body of Christ, this relationship in which we have. Paul uses a phrase to describe the church as the household of God. In the NIV, it is God's house. In the New King James Version, it is the house of God. Here's the definition of that household usually refers to the location where relationships take Place. Relationships are taking place. All among us, relationships are taking place. We have opportunities to encourage each other, to speak into each other, to allow God's Word to come alive within us and us to get to know Him as well. You know, the miracle of the gospel, folks, what God does in a church, He brings a diversity of people from every race, every creed, every tribe, we all come together, young, old. We all come together in the uniqueness of who we are. He's not so much the idea that he wants us all to look alike, act alike, speak alike. He wants to use us in the uniqueness of who we are, and he would shine through that in each of our lives. It truly is a glorious church, That work of the Holy Spirit ministering in the body of Christ. Jesus saved us. God adopted us, and the Holy Spirit has filled us. You wrap your minds around that, church. We are filled with that same spirit. Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. I think he did a few things after he rose from the dead, didn't he? And he still was doing that. We are the household of faith. Uh, do you remember when, when the, the bombing in Boston and the marathon a big, the, came out and says, we are Boston strong. We are Boston strong. I mean, that was being spoken across America, around the world. I want you to know that we are the house of God strong. We are the faithful followers of Jesus Christ, and he has called us in that relationship. That doesn't change. That's what the church is. The second non-negotiable I want to be talking to you about this morning is about the presence of God. Turn to 1 Timothy. Chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. I hope. I hope. That hope is not a weak hope. That hope is strong. Faith is a substance of things. Hope for. I mean, it is real. You could take it to the bank. I hope to come to you soon. But I am waiting for these things um, to you. I am writing these things to you so that. If I delay, you may know how one ought to believe in the household of God or behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and a buttress of faith, of truth, non-negotiable. The presence of God is not up for negotiation. It is something in which we strive for four. You know, we sing a song, I think, Anthony, it's, it's Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. I love that song, but, but the truth is it, it's not really biblical in a sense, I, and I want to have the spirit. It is that he's already here. Holy Spirit, we recognize you here. He is already here. He is already within you. Lock, stock, and barrel, the potential is enormous of what God is able to do because of that. So in this phrase, he's talking to us about the living God and the church, the church of the living God. I'm going to, First of all, I'm going to separate those two, then I'm going to bring them together. So let's talk about that living God. Paul understood that living God because he lived in a time there in Rome where there was enormous amount of idol worship, he goes in the city in Acts seventeen chapter, and he is provoked. He is broken. He is moved in Acts seventeen sixteen. The city was full of idols. He addressed the people, the the, the political council. He addressed them concerning this, and he even makes a statement in Acts seventeen twenty three and identifying the very thing that they were worshiping, the unknown God. A clear indication that that culture was fascinated about idols, everything about them. There in Ephesus is that they had a huge temple which was known as one of the wonders of the world. Idol worship was supreme to them. And Paul would get himself in trouble when he would challenge it. In fact, in Acts 19th chapter, there was times in which he literally had to run for his life because he was speaking against it. People in that city literally, most likely they carried trinkets, they maybe around their neck in their pockets, had them in their homes of the idols in which they worship. And when Paul says living, he is telling them, swatting them literally probably across the face spiritually, is that there's something far more than that lifeless piece of stone or wood that you are worshiping in the city of Lestra. He was saying in Acts the fourteenth chapter it says, we bring to you good news that you should that you that you should tune turn from the vain things." To a living God. See, the miraculous miracles in Paul's life was a proven testimony of a living God when it would come against the lifeless, useless idols of that day. That living God. The second thing I want to talk to you about is about the church. We're all familiar familiar of it, the Greek word there for the church is a compound word It's talking about to call out, to assemble. Think about one who would be assembling, well, in the past before, well, the Evites and and the social networking and the Microsoft invitations ever came about, when people would come together, they would blow a horn or there would be the bells ringing. Some of you may have grown up in a small community where, where you could hear on a Sunday morning the bells ringing of churches. People were coming together. I love hearing those. It was a gathering of the followers of Jesus Christ. But I want you to know it's far more than just us gathering together. I love seeing you. I love, well, seeing part of you anyhow. But I love seeing you here, the body that is here. I am so glad you are watching online as well because we are staying connected. But it's more than just a normal assembly. It is a body of believers that are coming together to meet with the living God, meeting with the living God. If you have ever been, if you were invited to the White House, that you would go there, you would dress up, you would tell everybody, you would be excited for that moment to be able to enter into that historical house, the White House. Well, I want you to know that same type of attitude should be that I am entering into God's house. I need to prepare myself. I need to get ready because I am about to have an encounter with a living God. God. Throughout Scripture, this is a theme of God's Word of us coming together. We, as followers of Christ, the household of faith, that we are coming together to experience the presence of God. That's non-negotiable. We are wanting to come together, not to go through some rituals that we feel is nice, that looks good or sound good. Is that we are come together for a purpose of entering into the presence of an almighty God. And I hope that each time that you prepare to come in is that you're not thinking on your way in about where you're going to go to lunch on your way out. I pray that you are preparing yourself, your mind, your body, your spirit, your family, that we are about to come in to the Holy of Holies, the very presence of God. It would be nice, though, in doing that, is that we would have maybe a little more of a visual, would it? Maybe we could have an angel show up. And that angel would be like that angel talking to those who came to the graveside of Jesus, saying, he is risen. He is risen indeed. We would go, Woohoo, boy, we would really love that. Well, that's not happening. Sometimes, boy, everything that we've been through seems, well, almost impossible these days of thinking wow well, how could i experience something great when something so horrible is happening all around us it feels almost hopeless a hopeless situation can i tell you about one it happened in 1948 there was a hopeless situation going on harry truman was running for the presidency of the united states and he it was a hopeless situation that he would ever been able to have the opportunity to experience winning that presidency. In fact, it was a public opinion that, that Dewey was going to give him a political whipping. In fact, it, the Newsweek got together the top 50 political specialists of the country and asked for their opinions. And they all came to an agreement that Dewey will win by at least 100 electoral votes. The Fort Lauderdale Daily News predicted that he will win by 62% of the the, uh, voting um, people. The Life magazine featured a full page. Listen to this. A full page of Dewey before he was, was ever voted on up there in San Francisco, and they said, the new president tra- um, travels by ferry boat over the broad waters of San Francisco Bay. They were already declaring his presidency. The Clippinger letter, a famous letter for, for the businessmen, they were already looking at the economic policies of Dewey as though that Truman never even was considered. Truman's reelection was, well, his re was absolutely hopeless. The Manchester Guardian carried a report entitled, Harry S. Truman, Study of Failure. <laughs> Boy, you want to keep that for your grandkids, don't you? Look what they were saying about grandpa. The Chicago Tribune, you all, if you have historians at all, you would have seen that they already printed out that Dewey defeats Truman. It was a hopeless situation. Dewey was in New York preparing his accepted speech. Truman was in Missouri eating a ham sandwich and drinking a glass of milk. Truman, at 6 o'clock, the evening news reported Truman has been defeated. By 10 o'clock, Truman was still going down in flames on the news report. At midnight, there was a report that Truman was up by 1,200,000 people, and they were still saying that he was going to lose this race. At 4 in the morning, that the Secret Service woke up Truman and said that he was ahead by 2 million people and that they're still saying he's going to lose this race. But that did not happen. That hopeless situation only looked hopeless, but it wasn't. You know, sometimes we've heard people say, wow, the church, all this time off, it's never going to be the same. Hmm. That's a good question. But maybe we should be making this statement. Maybe we should be asking, what does God want the church to be? Not that it's going to be like it was. What do you want it to be today? I shared with you last week, the church is a household of God. This morning, I want you to understand something and understand it very clearly that the church is the church of the living God. And the press, come on, you can give it up. Come on. Amen. Now, listen, church, in the past six months, and for us that we were out not having an in-house service, that 198 days we were living under the influence of the COVID virus, of the West Coast on fire, on hurricanes coming up from the south, of people losing their jobs the economy in a spiral downward, the um, cities in absolute chaos, and the political race that is lunacy of what's going on out there. Uh, may, maybe maybe I, I know about a couple of people who might feel something like you have felt. And, and there in Luke, this 24th chapter, verses 13 through 35, it was these two disciples going on a road, to Emmaus. They they were taking a stroll from Jerusalem going home. It was a hopeless situation. They're not mad at me. They're just getting ready to come out to worship. There are these two disciples as they were walking. Let your mind picture this. They were talking about the crucified Christ. Their words probably were coming out of their mouth very slowly. Their faces had to be, well, had that sadness of grief and sorrow. Their eyes probably wasn't looking up or even forward, probably looking at the ground as their heads were hanging low. And their shoulders must have felt like the weight of the world was on it in this hopeless state. A hopeless situation one of them was heard saying i could hardly believe it he's gone what do we do now it's like some people said i could hardly believe it we can't even go to church right now what are we going to do now well there was a stranger behind them and he heard them talking so he says i'm sorry but I could, could not help overhearing you. What things are you talking about? Now, church, you may know of the story on Emmaus Road. If you don't, get, you know, mark it, write it down, Luke 24, verses 13 through 35, because I want you to know that this was a transformation of what God wanted to be doing from that day forth in the lives of followers to this very day. See, sometimes what we like is that we want these supernatural encounters. We want the burning bush experience. Have you ever wanted to have that encounter of a living God? Or that you would experience a mountaintop moving experience within the church? Or or that you wanted to have a something written on the side of the wall that God is speaking to us very clearly. But listen, God is still speaking. God it's just well decided I'm going to do something different and new within your lives to show you that you are serving a living, a living, a living God. And this this story is fascinating. Two sincere disciples recounting the events of the crucifixion. God is disguised in as he was listening to them. His hands probably were tucked in his robe because he didn't want them to see the nail prints in the palms of his hands. And, and he had just gone to hell and back, literally. To be able to give these disciples and you and I a hope for a hopeless situations, environments in our lives because he's saying there is something much better here right now awaiting than you. You just need to open your eyes and see it. You see, church, and Luke, the eighth chapter, verse 25 says that as as the storms were raging and that the disciples, they, they they wanted this encounter with God. We like those encounters, is in fear, the amazement, they asked one another, Who is this man? He commands the wind and the waters, and they obey him. You ever feel like that? Who is this that I'm actually serving? Because he wants to reveal himself to you. So start asking the questions. In Matthew, the 14th chapter, Jesus goes for a stroll, not in, in the woods, out on the lake. And he walks to them. He gets in the boat. They fall down on their face, and they begin to worship him, saying, my Lord and my God. God has always always been speaking to us. He wants us to hear what he wants to say. There is a time when I would ask people, what's the Lord saying to you? I should start doing that again. Because people would look at me and say, are you crazy? I'm not hearing audible voices, Pastor. No, you're not. But I want you to know that he is talking to you. He wants to have that communication with each and every one of us. And those on that Emmaus Road began to open the door. How that could happen? Because he was speaking to them through Scripture. The Old Testament, he started to speak to him In Luke 24, verse 18, as they were talking, says, they "They Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem and do not know? the things that have happened there in these days. And he said, what things? And they responded back to him about Jesus of Nazareth, the prophet, powerful in word and in deed. He was sentenced to death, crucified, and we had hoped. Wow. All that positive. They're saying about Jesus of Nazareth, the prophet, powerful in word and deed. He was sentenced to death. It started to go down, crucified, and we had hope. Passed. He was the one who would redeem Israel, but Jesus had another plan. He started to speak the word. Don't you love it? He's speaking the word into these men. When Jesus was walking and he was ready to launch in his ministry, and he was out in the wilderness, and we had that confrontation with Satan, he didn't say, you know who you're talking to? Do you, do you know who he's talking to? You know, you know, I could, and you're gone. I could evaporate you. But he said, thus saith the word. He related to the word to defeat the enemy. Here, he took the scripture to be able to illuminate the understanding of these disciples of the living God, the presence of an almighty God. And then we see what happens here is that their response to when they heard that is in verse 32, were um, were not our hearts burning within us when he walked with us on the road and opened and open the scriptures to us. Do you see what happens, church? you want to have an encounter with an almighty God? Let the scriptures begin to open up the awareness and your illumination and understanding that this is not a child story. This is something that is real, alive, and active. Amen, amen. God's word. See, we love to have those wonderful experiences. We, we, we went times. I think we're like Thomas is saying, "I'll believe when you show me. I'll believe when I see the signs and wonders and, and the miracles. And when we, when, and then I will no longer be afraid to be able to share the word or to teach or. Or to witness the people. But today, God still changes hopeless situations through his word. Now, get ready for this. Because this is so powerful and something in which you need to hear and understand. You and I do not discover biblical truth. It is revealed. It's not like I have the great insight of my own abilities to be able to interpret all this. It is through the work of the Holy Spirit that brings the revelation knowledge of God into our lives. And when he reveals that, you see, what happens is that we are seeking that through that, maybe we want to say, I'm going to read the word so that it could lead me to an encounter with Christ. It is not going to lead you to an encounter with Christ. When you are in the word, it is an encounter in Christ. When I open that word, he has something to say within our lives. In church, when we allow the Holy Spirit to begin to speak into our lives, something begins to change. You remembered how often I've said this, and I'll say it again. Because sometimes we don't always get it the first, second, tenth, or a hundredth time. So here's the hundred and first time. Is that remember that Jesus is forever interceding. So God the Son is talking to God the Father about you. He knows what's happening in your life. He knows those hopeless situations. And he's talking to his heavenly Father about what is happening in your life. And God the Father, here's what God the Son is saying. And he speaks to God the Holy Spirit who has been sent to come alongside of us as our advisor, as our counselor, to be able to encourage, to correct, to lead and to guide us in our lives. And he says, here's what God the Son is saying, and here's what I want you to do. Go! Tell them. Illuminate that word. Don't allow it to sit and that word to become jumbled words together. Some Old Testament stories Let it become alive and active because church in Acts 17:28 says, it is in him we live and we move and we have our being. I know that it is in the power of his spirit through the revelation knowledge of that word of God. Because when I am reading it, I am having an encounter with the living God. It is not a dead idol. He is alive and he is well. And church, when he is alive and well, the church is alive and well. And it does not matter of what is happening in our world around us because he is the overcomer. He is the great victor. He can do the impossible, the unbelievable. He can turn your hopelessness into victories. In the past 189 days, as we have been online and as we relaunched, as we reigniting, as we are reengaging, we are a glorious church, and we are serving a living God who wants to be a part of what is going on in your lives. So, what I ask of you is to open your heart, open your minds, open your spirit. And saying, "Spirit of the living God, reveal your truth." I want to have this revelation knowledge, and you want to think that I need this beautiful worship team to back me up. I love having it, but you don't need them in your house. Well, don't come if you. Put, well, but listen, they—you just could sit there. You could open up this Word and start worshiping the Lord and saying, "Speak, Lord, speak." Lord. And when that living word through a living God speaks through your living life, there is an encounter that like you could never imagine. And then we are released to take that word into a world that is living in hopelessness. He's calling Would you respond, would you stand with me?